you might be perplexed as to why your kid can't lick this OCD. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you why. Hi, I'm Dr. Roseanne, and I'm a mental health trailblazer. And join me as we have real conversations about real solutions to kids' problems. And today, we are talking about all things OCD and why it's missed, what are common mistakes parents make in treating OCD, because guess what? You can lick OCD. You really can. So we're going to dive in to just how to do that. So this is It's Going to Be Okay with Dr. Roseanne. And today I have a very special guest episode with one of our amazing, our lead therapist, our lead OCD therapist, Michelle Bernal. And we're talking about overcoming OCD. It's a therapist perspective on parenting when you have a child with OCD. And this is what Michelle does every day because she really is a specialist. She actually is our team leader. She's surpassed me in her OCD knowledge. And she's teaching people all over the world. People come to us so that we can teach you how to talk back to OCD. And if you're interested in working one-to-one with us in our Brain Behavior Reset Program, you just need to go to www.drroseanne.com forward slash help and apply to work with us. And we work with people in person and remotely all over the world. So let's dive in. Let's talk about what OCD is because as we love to talk about, people don't know what it is. They think it's like just hand-washing and it's not. Michelle, what are common symptoms that particularly with kids that people misunderstand and miss? OCD is always fear-based behavior. And I think that's something that parents miss a lot of times. They see a child doing something and sometimes they even think they're doing behaviors on purpose. And when we go back to the intention behind it, it's fear-based. And so when we talk about OCD, OCD is that obsession part. And that could include thoughts for some kids. It really feels like an urge. They might not have the language to put it into a thought. And it always leads to a really distressful feeling. And some kids say it'll be terrifying or really disgusting or any of those adjectives that we could list out forever. And then it leads to compulsive behavior. And that behavior is meant to neutralize that feeling. And so that's the cycle of OCD. Yeah. And that behavior, just so people understand, it can be observable, like counting and checking. But the behavior could be mental rituals as well. And they're missed. So I think when people make that connection, oh, you you know, it always starts with obsessive thinking and intrusive thoughts, but we might not see them. And, and if we talk about why OCD is so often missed, isn't it really because, and besides being misunderstood, it really is not always observable. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for kids... You know, as, as a parent, I'm a parent myself. And as a parent, when we see our kids in distress, the first thing we want to do is go in and be like, it's going to be okay, right? And all they want to do, they just want to say, I love you in a certain way before they're going to bed. And as a parent, we don't always pick up or relate that, that this could be OCD or a fear-based behavior. And yeah. so most of compulsions for younger kids can be mental compulsions, right? We all recognize physical ones, things like hand-washing or turning on and off a light, Mental compulsions for children can be anything from constant reassurance seeking, question asking, um, avoiding things. Avoidance. Avoidance is a big one. 
having needing things to be done in a certain way. You know, we always use like the bedtime routine, needing to say, I love you in a certain way or in a certain order. That's very common for some little kids. So there is a lot of mental compulsions that also are, are missed because we're just not aware that that could be part of that OCD cycle. And, you know, you brought up so many important things that I want to really unpack. And I think, you know, one of the things, particularly, we, t- we like to talk about three behaviors a lot we see with our kids. And we say kids, I mean, we specialize in OCD. We specialize in OCD with PANS. And the majority of our cases do have PANS. Not that I think everybody has PANS, but we just have a lot of them. And, right. and uh, infections and toxins and just to understand what PANS is... Pans and pandas is when a misdirected immune response comes in response to a toxin or a infection and the body, it produces a ton of inflammation and then a bunch of neuropsychiatric and neurocognitive behaviors result. Please go back and listen to those episodes. But what are three main things that we often see? We see the need for reassurance, right? The frequent questioning. We see avoidant behaviors, for sure, what we absolutely do. And yeah, you do see compulsions in one way, shape or form. And I think when you people hear, well, oh my gosh, my kid does make me, you know, read a book to them and things. It's different when it's OCD. There's going to be rituals. So OCD means there's a ritual that is avoiding a fear, the bad thing from happening, as you said. And so we can slide into there because OCD is very sneaky, right? And that's why part of why it's often missed is it doesn't, unless it's pans or pandas, it doesn't turn up overnight. It's happening in building and they, the brain gets reinforced to produce the behavior over and over again. But it is part of why it's missed is they just, people say to me, I didn't know she you know, had OCD because she didn't have hand washing. So that is not a required part of OCD. Absolutely. And then talk about misdiagnosis because this is one of the biggest reasons why it's missed. It's often confused for a lot of things. So so dive into that. Absolutely. A lot of people, like we just talked about, don't understand signs of OCD, right? My child isn't constantly washing their hands, so I don't really think it's OCD. And it's often misdiagnosed. I think the top diagnosis I think that I see is probably anxiety ADHD. Those are usually the two big ones because we're seeing behaviors and we don't understand what's behind that. And so if we have a child who can't focus or is displaying some anxious behaviors, you know, those are the ones that we're more familiar with. I think it's important to understand too that children can struggle with OCD and also ADHD and also anxiety. And they they all come at at the same time, right? And autism and pans pandas and depression. Can be a co-occurring component, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other, but I do feel that so frequently misdiagnosed as anxiety or ADHD. And I would say third is depression. So a lot of times we get a really shut down full crisis situation. And really when we unpack it, like I do my detective strategy session (laughs) and I'm like, Hmm, sounds like there's some OCD. They're like, no, there's no hand washing again. And I'm like, hmm, right. okay. But if you think about being a little kid and getting intrusive thoughts, really scary intrusive thoughts, and sometimes they're even about harm might come to themselves or their parents and they don't know what to do with that. And you keep getting these thoughts that would make you depressed. And so that's what we're seeing on the surface. And so that's why we talk about what's the intention behind the behavior. Yeah. And That's another great point. So like people always say, well, my kid would tell me. 
right? Like, oh, my kid would tell me if they're depressed. My kid would tell me they're anxious. Kimmy is OCD. OCD thoughts can be, and they often are very scary and dark. Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to say them out loud. They can be sexual in nature. They can involve demons. What do you always say? Like, Right. It can be very taboo subjects that children don't know what to do with. And one of the most important things for parents to remember is that those thoughts don't represent who their child is or who their child wants to be. And so a lot of times, because if they're taboo in nature and the intensity and that feeling is really real and valid for that child, they don't want to tell anybody and they don't want to tell their parents because they don't know what to do with it. They're scared. And they're embarrassed a lot of times, some of the things that come up and, and they might also might not even, especially when your brain gets so distressed, right? And we do these QEG brain maps and you're able to see the brain in a rev state. They might not even have the mental capacity because they're so nervous and jacked up and uncomfortable to really even say these out loud. That's part of what brings people to us is all of these missed signs or signs that just aren't observable. And professionals not really understanding OCD. That is a big part of misdiagnosis. We were both trained, right? I say this all the time, anxiety, OCD. OCD used to be under a category of anxiety. Now it's its own category. And I was trained to treat it the same. And it's not, that's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. So they really get missed because people, unless you really go that extra mile, like we did, to learn appropriate treatment, treatments that science shows us that works. You're just not going to... If you're not going to an OCD specialist, you probably haven't properly ruled it out at a minimum. So many people come to us and there's a lot of mistakes that happen, right? There's a lot of things that happen, common mistakes, like not at, not anybody to feel bad by any point. And one of the problems is when they get here, they've been to a lot of therapists, And they've gone to a lot of treatments. And what I've learned about people is sometimes people get stuck in the insanity of doing the thing that isn't working, right? Like we want to believe it's working. And let me tell you, kids, I've been there, right? As a PANS mom, like this antibiotic is going to work and I want to stay on it or I want to work. I want to do it again because it worked the last time and it's not. We feel like, well, I've been to therapists. I've taken him to somebody and people can be very resistant with me with actually doing ERP and they want my neurofeedback and PEMF to be the miracle calmer that it is, but it doesn't negate the fact that we need behavioral support. So starting out of the gate, one of the first things that we see is people get the wrong treatment. Absolutely. I think that stems from, I think years ago, anxiety and OCD were under the same umbrella. Um, So we automatically say, oh, anxiety, well, then let's do anxiety treatment for OCD. But that doesn't always work. Very rarely does it work. ERP is specific to breaking that OCD cycle that we talk about and helping kids learn how to manage doing that. And that's where the parents come in. Parents, you know, I'm a parent and like I I stated earlier, it's natural for us to see our kids in distress and be like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. When really in what's happening inside of our child is they're flight, fight, or freeze responses going off and they're screaming on the inside and we're like, it's okay. And then of course, then the kid's like, no, it's not okay. And so by the time they come to us, they're like, I keep talking about it and talking about it and nothing's happening because we need to learn exposure skills. We need to learn those response prevention skills. And that's where parents come in to really help support their kids. Yeah, because, and such a great point. So when you're feeling worried about something, you know, we often teach people mindfulness-based skills to meditate, 
to regulate. We're not saying that that isn't important at a later point, but in when you have OCD, you've got to learn to talk back to it. You have to learn to say, this is uncomfortable and it doesn't mean my mother is going to die, right? Because there's this, the person has an intrusive thought that if they don't do X, Y, and Z, their mother's going to die. They have to understand the bad thing isn't going to happen when they don't do X. The ritual doesn't occur. And that only can occur in exposures. I mean, I just believe very much, right, in that that wrong treatment does not, that is part of what feeds it. And also, I feel like so many kids, like teenagers, young adults, everybody, people are going five, 10, more therapists before they get here. They become resistant to therapy because therapy is about feelings most of the time. And OCD is a disorder of thoughts. You get an intrusive thought and you have really uncomfortable sensations. So the feelings don't have any part in ERP until much later when a person is more regulated and all, and has a toolkit, right? To be able to talk back. The other big thing that we see all the time is parents inadvertently accommodating the OCD. Talk about that because this is a big deal. When we talk about OCD, you know, it, it is sneaky. You're putting your child to bed and I love you, mom. I love you too. Good night. And then the next night, it's, I love you, mom. Okay, mom, now you can't say anything, right? And it kind of sneaks in there. And before you know it, you're part of this ritual and you don't know how to get out of it. Because as soon as you don't do it, your child is going to get very irritable. Or scary distressed, right, Michelle? These kids can be so easily upset, distressed, and then a parent feels trapped in the ritual. Yeah. There's a real fear going on for that child. And so if we don't say I love you the right way or hug the right way or... We don't let them know the bus is coming exactly at the specific time that it's coming. A lot of kids, you'll start to see anger behaviors or feelings coming out, really irritable or frustrating. And and then a parent, of course, is like, well, I guess I could just tell them what time the bus is going to be here one more time. Or I could just say I love you one more time. And it's good, you know, and we play into it because we're parents and we don't understand. But when we're parenting a child who's struggling with OCD, we have to make a shift. Right. We have to shift from reassuring them because we're not really reassuring our child. What we're doing is we're helping the OCD and we have to make a shift into supporting and validating our child that they can manage these feelings. And how are we going to help support them managing these thoughts and behaviors? Yeah, so important. And that's learning how to talk back to OCD. And right. and it's everybody in the family learning how to talk back to the OCD because the OCD will be in charge if you let it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen it hijack whole family systems. Oh, you know, everybody's kind of, it'll take one parent and bring it in close and take the other parent and kind of alienate them. It happens with siblings. So a lot of times we're talking about, we're doing exposures with siblings because they tend to get involved naturally. What we find with our clients, and and this is very common with kids, there tends to be a perseveration or rituals often attached to one or more people in a family. Incredibly stressful. I mean, wow. When you're that person, like you're the mom and you're also the person they have the OCD on and the dynamics that go on. And, And it's so normal. For this to kind of, like you said, sneak in there and then the person being like, what do I got to say? What do I got to do? And that's where learning to talk back to the OCD and having ways to not accommodate the behavior is transformative for families that come and work with us, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah. And they always say like, I wish somebody had just told me what to say. And I'm like, I know, I know for sure. And I think that is probably the biggest mistake. And and as we love to talk about, right, when people work with us, it's with the family. It's not just with the kid. And if you have a 25-year-old and they're living at your house, you better be participating in ERP therapy because you're there coaching. Right. Absolutely. And it's hard to tell a parent, you know, like a parent to be like, you're really uncomfortable right now. I remember years ago, I had somebody, maybe you don't even know this. I had somebody that every sewer cover, any water cover was an OCD trigger for her. And she had a whole series of multiple kinds of rituals, including hand washing. She couldn't drive in a car without seeing like a cover of a well or sewer or whatever. And it was really scary. And then everybody in their family was participating in the ritual and right. they, nobody knew how to get off the train. And this was really before I started doing ERP. And I was like, oh man, like how are we going to address this? And we got our brain calmer, but then we wound up finding an ERP therapist because you weren't here, Michelle. It had spent a lifetime of being relatively functional. I think that's the other thing. You know, we always think of OCD as this positive thing, but it's not. OCD has never brought anybody joy. Nope. It is not. It is, it is all fear-based behaviors. It is all ritual. That's why it becomes easy to start accommodating our family members because we don't want to see them struggle. And we think that by helping them or helping accommodate the OCD, right? Yeah. But what that does is that reinforces that false alarm that their nervous system is giving them. Instead, we need to shift into helping support them to say, you can manage this. And what's your tools? How can I help you use your tools? Yeah. And I also love, you love to talk to people. There's a couple things that I really feel like is so pivotal. And when you work with people, one is to helping them understand the difference between their own brain and their OCD brain. But also you create a window of tolerance for people. You help them understand there's a time limit. So when people have OCD, they're like, forget about it. I'm just going to be experiencing these rituals for hours or all day or whatever. And you're like, okay, would you rather be uncomfortable for up to 15 minutes? Or would you rather be totally distressed all day? And I can't even tell you how many young people have come to me and said, but when you had that conversation with them, that their whole mind just shifted and how powerful that was for them. There's a real biological process that happens with OCD. When that thought comes and that feeling comes, that's our body going into that survival mode, that fight, flight, or freeze response. And so what we're doing is we're teaching not only the person who's struggling, but the people around them how to support them in saying, if you don't respond to this, right, that's where response prevention comes in. If you don't respond to this, even though we're feeling like we should, we don't reinforce that alarm and we help them build that tolerance to saying, I can be uncomfortable and I can manage this for 20 minutes or so through my tools, 15 minutes, right? Give it 15 minutes. Let's do that window. That's how parents can help their children by supporting them saying, okay, we know this is going to be really hard for 15 minutes. Let's do it. And what that does when we talk about that OCD cycle is it starts to break that cycle. And it starts to make doing exposures. And we, that's when we start working up that hierarchy. Yeah. So critical. And to understand that you're not going to start with the biggest, scariest thing. You're really starting with those little things so that you teach the brain, hey, you can do it. You know, can you do it. But it's also a skill set that we need to practice. Remember, yeah. it's such a habitual process that people, by the time they come to see us, have been responding to that false alarm for so much, so much time that sometimes they don't even realize they're doing it. And so it's really about stepping it back. And like you said, practicing those skills to say, 
you do have the capability to use these skills. And we're going to start small. We're going to build you a really strong foundation. We come into ERP. We're practicing these tools. This is where family members really come in and can help support their children in building up and practicing ERP. You know, ERP needs to be practiced every day to help build up those skills. And that's where parents come in. And then it starts to feel better for everybody. Totally. I mean, parents are now empowered that they have ways to help support their child. Their child starts to feel better because they're now having skills to help manage their thoughts and behaviors. And there's this just a transformative thing that happens within the family system. That's why everybody should be involved in ERP. So important. One of the biggest common mistakes people make in treatment of OCD is giving up because ERP is hard. About one third of people drop out. And I'm not saying it's not hard. It's just a lot harder to keep doing what you're doing and no amount of wishful thinking or psychiatric medication is going to make that OCD go away because of the negative reinforcement cycle in the brain. So unless you directly attack it, like you're going to beat the crap out of that OCD with coping skills and all of these things to really teach the brain, you can be successful. Without that, the OCD will wax and might wane, but in, and you know it's going to go up and down throughout a person's life. And we see people all the time totally lick their OCD. Some people get it down to a very functional level, a level that they never could have imagined, and then just continue to use the skills. But it really is important for people to realize, yes, ERP is hard, but it is a Mac Daddy. It's the gold standard. It is hard, I think, especially in the beginning, but forming any new habit is hard. I mean, how many times do we start exercising again or anything that we start forming new habits is hard, forming new study habits, whatever it is. And it's hard, but it's worth it because people really do feel better. People really do develop a lifestyle of managing OCD. And it's absolutely beautiful because we see people all the time who, again, didn't think that they could attain that quality of life again. And I get ERP being hard, especially when there's another episode I did called Sharing Your Calm, which you love to talk about. It's about co-regulation. So when we're dysregulated, this is going to be a lot harder. And so whatever we need to do to put our oxygen mask on will make this process easier. And I think also, too, one of the things that I see, Michelle, is like, these are often very bright verbal people. And when the OCD comes in, It may be totally irrational, but there's a rationality in a sense when a person speaks. And so people around them get caught up in talking about it, but without the right verbiage. And when you get the right verbiage, it shuts it down. I love when I do a meeting, a family meeting, then they do the neuro for 20 sessions. They do PMF and they work with you. And then I get them and I warn them. And I'm like, listen, the way the behaviorism works, you get a little spike and then it shoots down. This is hard work, but you're already working way too hard. This is work that's actually going to make a difference. Right. So it's very vastly different. But I love when I get to you know that next session. They're like, "You were right. It was hard. You were right. It was working." And I was like, "Yeah, it's a great, great feeling." Do you have a child that dysregulates at the drop of a hat? Maybe they're cranky and moody and rigid and inflexible. Well. I've got the key to unlock the secrets of successful self-regulation for your child. And in our free resource guide, 147 therapist-endorsed self-regulation strategies for 
children, it's a practical guide for parents and it's a game changer. You can access your copy now and discover practical strategies endorsed by therapists like me. Don't miss out and download here at drrosanne.com forward slash regulate. That's drrosanne.com forward slash regulate. So a couple other things that people make common mistakes in addressing OCD is we have a lot of PANS people. And sometimes they know they have PANS and PANDAS, sometimes they don't, but not addressing the infections and toxins at the same time. So it's important to address the underlying root cause, but it's also really important. You have once OCD shows up, an antibiotic is not going to stop the OCD. It's now a behavioral pattern that is reinforced in the brain, right? And we see that all the time. Absolutely. When when we talk about somebody who's struggling with PANS, PANDAS, there's two pieces to this puzzle, two major pieces. The first one is that medical piece that they need to definitely follow through with whatever their medical doctor is recommending. The second part is the behavioral piece and they work kind of together, right? So we talk about like underlying inflammation and fighting infection. And if you just do the medical piece, the OCD is not going to get better. And if you just do the behavioral piece, the physical piece isn't going to get better either. And so it is so super important for families to work on both of those things at the same time. And that's when we see the greatest results. Well said. It is really true. That is when we see the greatest results. Absolutely. The last common mistake we see with people is just not calming the brain. I mean, you can't work in our program, our brain behavior reset program, unless you're calming the brain with neurofeedback or PEMF and other methods. During the time that we started doing a lot of OCD work, we just found people couldn't do the ERP at all with the same accessibility um, and success if they weren't calming their brain. And that was part of what drove us to really say, hey, we're not taking anybody a la carte. You must do the whole program. We teach you about lifestyle and brain keys and all those other things. But you were one of the impetus of this. You were like, I don't like when working with people when they don't have neuro, right? Absolutely. So when somebody's struggling with OCD, when your amygdala is glitched in that survival mode, it stops kind of connecting with the other, the thinking part, the logical part of our brain, and we just react. And so that's part of what that helps is reestablish some of those connections, as well as bring down inflammation. And so when we pair that with ERP, people, it's, it's still hard in the beginning, but the progress they make and the results they see really seem to come faster for them. Yeah. Most definitely. In our one-to-one program where you can go to um, www.drrosanne.com forward slash help um, and apply, but we really focus on two treatments. Yes, we also have diet and supplements and all of those things. I'm a hardcore believer, but at the root of our support, we're using exposure and response prevention. That's where you learn, you get psychoeducation about exactly what is happening in the brain. You get empowered on how to talk back, but you get the exact tools to talk back along with your family. If you're living with parents, it's critical and you're doing exposures. I mean, and you're getting uncomfortable, but then you're teaching your brain that bad thing's not going to happen. That's a cliff notes version, version, you know, but it's right on. But, and then we use PEMF. So for those that don't know what it is, we have Calm PMF. We have one specifically for OCD and PANS and PANDAS. And we're doing a lot of neurofeedback, which is brainwave retraining, which is taking a dysregulated. In the case of OCD, you're going to see there's four patterns that occur in the brain. 
and only one is genetic and two are inflammation based and one is just an overactivation. So you're taking brain waves that are either under or overstimulated and you're regulating them so that the brain isn't just stuck in a fight, flight or freeze. And only then can you do that great cognitive behavioral work and it's lovely and it's helpful and it's awesome. And I, I know how overwhelming. I mean, your kid has had concussions and we both have had to do work when we didn't think we had to. But ultimately, in the end, to spend time making an investment to do the work and get over it is a thousand times easier. And I think that's one of the messages I wish everybody just got. It's scary trying yet another thing, but we only use what science shows us what works. We're only taking the best of what it is. Michelle, when you think about um, working with families and, you know, really who've just had great success in talking back to that OCD, what would you impart parents? Like, what are things that you think, okay, this is what this person had? What, what do you want people to know about treating OCD and even just for themselves that can help them help their child overcome it? It has to be done as a family. That's the number one. Everybody has to be on board. The people who have the most success um, are all open and willing themselves to make a shift. Even as a parent, we're willing to make that shift. And I think it's really eye-opening when a parent can change their perspective and say, am I helping my child or am I helping my child's OCD? And then learning ways to help support their child through that and having an entire shift within the family system happen is the most supportive. Absolutely. And we've just identified some common features of some of our most successful people. And I think, you know, they just have like, I'm scared, but I can do it attitude, right? Like I'm doing it. It's happening. They focus on small wins. Yes. Always Um, pointing at those successes. Absolutely. So important because this ain't going to be done overnight. And I think a lot of our people are spiritual and have a great sense of gratitude about things, um, which is not always easy. When right. your, your baby's having a hard time, no, whether they're 24 or five, OCD can show up at any age. It, it doesn't mean you had to have a, you know, a history, it, you know, especially with our pans pandas, you know, you might've had a COVID trigger or a tick-borne or it, it just came out of nowhere. I mean, uh, this past week I had somebody, their child had, was 100% developing normally, not one thing in their history. Nothing. Like I never get that. (laughs) And got bitten by a tick and that was it. And then got the OCD and has this and has that. So what's great about that mom is she was jumped in. She recognized I have to do behavioral work. And she followed my recommendations. Like when their plan was to go to on this long trip, I was like, not not going to be able to do it. And they were like, okay. And I was like, if it's either now or we're just going to extend it. And she got it, you know, and these things, nobody ever says, oh yeah, this is convenient. But there are strategies at work. I always want parents to be incredibly, incredibly helpful. And, you know, we believe it's going to be okay for everything when you really get the right tools and the right resources and you use them at the right time. So if somebody is honestly, if my kid had OCD and Max only had it for a minute, for like a week when he was three with with his pants and went away. But I would take my kid to Michelle Bernal, just so everybody knows. That's what everyone always says to me. And, you know, our whole team is trained and she just loves it so much. And so has such fidelity and very much like in a loving mama way, 
walks people through the uncomfortableness of talking back, the temporary uncomfortableness of talking back to OCD. So if you're interested in working in our program, you can go to drrosanne.com forward slash help. And I hope this was an insightful podcast for people because this is the conversations Michelle and I have every day with people. Why is it missed? Well, you know, what can you do about it? And, you know, when you take action, you take the right action, you're going to get better. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Miss Michelle. I always appreciate you. And, and, uh, thank you for being as, have such integrity in your work and, and teach, teaching people in a way that they feel like they can take charge. We can empower people to beat OCD and it is possible. A hundred percent. Awesome. Parenting is so hard and there are so many ups and downs. And when you have an OCD tyrant ruling your household, I know how frustrating it is. Just know no matter what's going on, it's going to be okay when you calm the brain and you learn to talk back to that OCD tyrant. You need the right solution to help your child be successful at home, school, and life. And that's why I've created the Solution Matcher. Go to drrosanne.com forward slash help, D-R-R-O-S-E-A-N-N forward slash help to get the right solution for where you're at.